Hey everyone, welcome to the Exchange Daily. Today is Friday, April 10th, 2020, or it's also known as Good Friday. Um, we've been doing a psalm every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and this week we've just stuck to Psalm 22. And I just want to draw your attention to Psalm 22, verse 14 through 18. If you listen to Monday and Wednesday's podcast, we've been slowly going through this psalm, and there's really a lot more here than even what I'm addressing when it comes to just the whole scenario around the cross, but this is known as the psalm of the cross. And so I just want to read this slowly. I want to meditate on it. Um, I want to just point you to where we're at in the, the, the timeline of the story of the cross. So today's obviously Friday. Um, Jesus at this point in time would have been crucified at 9 a.m. And he, as we know, he hung on the cross for six hours. Um, from 9 to 12, there was sunlight. From 12 to 3, it, it went dark. And um, there's six hours where he hung on the cross. Last night was a night where he would have had Last Supper. He would have had communion. He would have had Passover with his disciples. He would have instituted the new covenant with his disciples, went to the Garden of Gethsemane, was betrayed, was taken on trial. All of this happened overnight to the point where he was crucified um, on Friday morning at 9. And so I just want to look at Psalm 22, verse 14 through 18. Also, today we're going to really later tonight on Facebook Live and Instagram Live um, have our Good Friday service. So this is not meant to be that right now. We, we do tonight want to look at just why the cross, what is the whole point of the cross? Um, why was that necessary? Why was that God's plan? Uh, but today we're going to just look at verse 14 through 18. And I want you to hear the words from David that, again, were so prophetic and just fit so well with Jesus and his moment on the cross. So I'm just going to read a portion and we'll stop and talk. So Psalm 22, verse 14, David writes, I am poured out like water, and all of my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. He said, again, all my bones are out of joint. This is interesting. Um, Josephus, a guy who was a, a Jewish historian, Jewish but Roman historian, um, he would write just about the Jewish people, but yet he was a Roman historian who was also Jewish. Um, he talked about the crucifixion scene and what happened there, and he basically said when the cross was just dropped down into just that socket, there would just be the stud, and many times people's arms and hips would dislocate. And people who study the cross, people who'd hang there, just they look at that history of that and say, many times you're just hanging there for so long, your your joints uh, would dislocate. David says, all, all my bones are out of joint. And that's interesting, because again, this when you read this psalm, you're going, this is not David. Like, when was this happening? If it's poetic, what is it poetic for? And really, we see how this psalm is referred to time and time again in the New Testament. Um, but he said, "My he said, I am poured out like water. Verse 14, my heart is like wax. It is melted within, within me. Um, his heart is melted. Now, this, this is an interesting phrase. Maybe you know this or you're aware of this. Um, when the Roman soldiers stuck the spear in, in Jesus' side just to make sure he was dead, they came to Jesus, they saw that he was dead on the cross. They wanted to make sure they stuck a spear in his side. And, and what happened? Remember, blood and water poured out. Now, we know that Jesus died by asphyxiation, just um, the idea of not being able to breathe. And there's this thought of, you know, when blood and water poured from his side, it really communicates this idea that there's a, a pocket of water that surrounds your heart. And since blood and water came out, blood and water, the idea was this pocket of water that surrounds his heart burst. 
And so that's why we see blood and water flow out. And so in some ways you could say literally Jesus died of, yes, asphyxiation, but of this ruptured heart, this broken heart. And so when the soldiers see the blood and water flowing from his side, it just fulfills. And David says, my heart is like wax. It's melted. It's melted within me. It's exploded. It's melted. Blood and water flows out. And interesting because spiritually, just the water and the blood would become the symbols of the two sacraments, meaning we celebrate baptism and we celebrate communion. Those are like those two real institutions Jesus gave us to physically do and participate in, to baptize people in water in his name and to participate in communion where we, you know, we're going to take communion tonight and remember the fact that um, Jesus' blood was shed for our forgiveness. So blood and water flowed out. Verse 15, he said, my strength is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of the earth. Again, verse 15, my, my tongue clings to my jaws. If you remember on the cross, Jesus had um, seven different statements that he made. And one of the statements he made was simply, I thirst. Now, there's, this is really interesting. And there's a lot of like uh, debate about what happened here. If you remember, someone grabbed a reed or like a stick with a sponge at the end of it and is filled with like, you know, vinegar or myrrh, just sour wine. Um, and they brought it to Jesus and put it to his mouth. Now, this is where the debate comes in. Was this person trying to be helpful, I thirst, or were they trying to mock Jesus even more and actually even show more pain in a sense and more humiliation? And and why do I bring that up? This is this really is interesting. I remember we went to um Ephesus, you know, in Turkey, um, where the you know, Book of Ephesians, Ephesus. We went there and we were on a tour, and the tour guide talked about how in this city you know, it's like a modern city where they actually had public bathrooms and like for wealthy people, even like wealthy public bathrooms and people would sit basically on these public toilets and it's bizarre just the layout, like you'd sit next to someone and underneath them, you know, where you would go to the bathroom, uh, there would be people who literally have be below and they'd have sticks with a sponge and they would use a sponge to clean off the person who went to the bathroom. I know it's terribly disgusting. But this is true. This is history. This is what the Romans would do. This is like a Roman thing. And then they would pour like sour wine on it in their mind that was to disinfect it. And so the weird, the heartbreaking thought about this is the person who brought the stick with the sponge and sour wine, it probably wasn't a gesture of let me help Jesus thirst. It honestly probably was more to mock him. Like the thing we use to clean ourselves with, we're going to put to your mouth. I mean, Again, when you read about the cross and just the violence of the whole idea of crucifixion leading up to it, what Jesus went through, I, it's still something I, I don't think fathomable because, again, this isn't to a guilty person. This isn't even just to an innocent person. This is to the Son of God. And so, remember, David again writes, my tongue clings to my jaws like I'm thirsty. Jesus said, I thirst. And that was the response to his thirst. Verse 16 um, this is what David writes. He says, For dogs encompass me, a company of evil doers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. And again, this is why this just this just stands out for so many reasons. I mean, again, this is Psalm 22 is quoted in the New Testament, but David, even poetically, you're going, What if this isn't about the Messiah? What is it about? I mean, when was David's you know hands and feet pierced, or what is this poetic for? And realistically, this is a psalm that's used obviously, to speak of Jesus. That phrase, they pierced my hands 
and my feet. I mean, in David's day, you know, the death penalty was carried out by stoning. You know, you, you did a, a crime worthy of death. You were stoned to death. I mean, the Persians, from our understanding, are the ones who just invented the idea of crucifixion. And the Romans take that and they perfected it. And so just this idea of his, he's thirsty, his heart's poured out like water. They pierced his hands and his feet. I mean, this is so clearly pointing to the, the crucifixion scene. In verse 17, it says, I can count all my bones and they stare and gloat over me. I can count all my bones. Now, this really, too, I mean, it just stands out because in John 19, you know, if you remember, it, they uh, talk about how they went to break um, the other two people on the cross next to Jesus. They broke the legs. And when they came to Jesus, they saw that he's already dead and they didn't need to break his legs. And that's why they pierced his side to make sure he's dead and blood and water flowed out. Um, now, when you say you can count all my bones, this fulfills that. Like not, a, not any of his bones, and different psalms speak of that, of any of his bones would be broken. That he would go through this scene, whether being whipped, you know, flogged with the cat of nine tails, the beating he took, punched, spat on, crown of thorns going through his head, but not any of his bones would be broken. And there's, you know, some theories behind it why, and I just think this is interesting. You know, um, when you had a lamb that you'd offer as a sacrifice, there's not supposed to be bones that were broken. Um, and the idea was, well, in the bone, there's in the marrow of the bone, the blood is just made. I mean, the, your bones, in a sense, perpetually produced blood. And so the thought more behind it spiritually is if a bone is broken, um, uh, until a bone was mended, it was not, you know, it does not produce blood. So the idea, I guess you could say, is God, the Father, didn't want any of his bones to be broken to speak, maybe just spiritually, symbolically, of how his his sacrifice was enough that the blood that Jesus offered was perpetual, it was sufficient, it was enough. Um, there's no limit of the blood that can come through the lamb like this. That it's enough. No no bones broken. Verse seventeen goes on and says, um, "So I can count all my bones." Verse eighteen. Um, they stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. I mean, this is the crucifixion scene. I mean, it's the details of this psalm are, are mind-bending to me. I mean, we already looked at you know verse one and two and verse six through eight. I mean, but it gets so specific. They divide my garments, but for my clothing they cast lots. Um, now, before I even get to that, I want to get to this phrase. They look and stare at me. So think about this. They're casting lots for his clothing. They divided his garments. Jesus, you know, the crucifixion scene, um, like many others or really every other crucifixion scene, the person was stripped naked, hanging there. And it's really to humiliate, to bring shame. And you think about, again, this idea of just that humiliation. But I love what Charles Spurgeon said that, what, what he said about this. <clears throat> he said, First Adam made us all naked, and therefore the second Adam became naked, that he might clothe our naked souls. The first Adam, he made us naked. The second Adam, Jesus, became naked so he might clothe us. Even there, the idea is he went through it all. He was crucified. He was naked. Why? So really, ultimately, one day, we might be clothed with his righteousness. He took on our nakedness. What really when Adam and, and Eve ate of the fruit, they realized we're naked and there was shame there and they covered themselves. Well, Jesus was uncovered. Jesus was stripped down. They, they're literally gambling over his clothes. And that was so that one day we could be clothed, but with Jesus's righteousness. 
I mean, that is the bigger picture here. But when it says again, they, they divided my garments and for my clothing, they cast lots. I mean, you see this in John's gospel, uh, Matthew's gospel, this idea that um, the soldiers divided Jesus' garments into four parts. Evidently, there were four soldiers, so they divided them. Um, but here's what John 19 verse 23 says. The soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart. And also the tunic. Now, the tunic was without seam. It was nice. It was woven from the top of one piece. They said, therefore, among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be. That the scripture, and here's why they said that. John says, so that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore, the soldier did these things. John, in John 19, points to Psalm 22 and says, they really did this because God wanted them to fulfill scripture. They didn't know they are fulfilling scripture, but they did this so they might fulfill it. Um, this is, again, just so interesting. Uh, that you could say one was part was divided, one part they had to gamble over, um, to cast lots over. I mean, it just so completely fulfills this. Now, here's an interesting thought, too, um, that people have pointed out. Um, when the high priest would die, they would take the high priest's garments, and they'd say, well, the high priest is dead, and they, so they'd take his robe, which is very, you know, valuable, and they would rip the robe, and they'd use it as wicks for candles in the temple. And it was said... Um, here about Jesus, don't rip this robe because he lives for us. The idea is he lives forever. Like, so all, all the high priest robes were ripped apart. What I'm trying to get at is they, they ripped apart the high priest garments, but Jesus, when it came to this, uh, this beautiful, his garment, his seamless garment, they didn't rip it apart. And the, the point being, well, this is our high priest whose robe did not need to rip because he lives forever because for them, they would rip it apart saying that, well, the high priest is dead and we're going to use it as just candle wicks in the temple to honor him. But for Jesus, this was not ripped apart because he's that high priest who lives forever. And here's the other idea. When his veil or his um, garment, not just for the cast lots, but his garments were, uh, they were, you know, gambled over. The other one was ripped apart. The idea was this is all taking place and there's another thing that's being ripped apart. And if you remember, the other thing that was being ripped apart was the veil that was in the temple and the Holy of Holies. There was a very thick veil that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And when Jesus died on the cross, remember, it says that veil ripped from top to bottom. So his garments being, one's being gambled over, one's being ripped into four, and the temple's being ripped apart from top to bottom. And that really is just to say that God is the one making the way. God ripped it apart from top to bottom, saying, listen, you have access now to me. Because of my son's death, you have now access to the holy of holies. You have access to my presence. I mean... When you look at this psalm, there really is so much more here. When you look, look at this psalm, you look at the crucifixion scene. It's uncanny. It's as if David is there writing about it. I mean, that's what it, it feels like and seems like. And here's just a little verse I want to end with. It's Psalm 22, verse 22. After he describes his, you know, this crucifixion, his uh, body being pierced, he describes his heart melting, all this stuff he's describing. Then he says, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I'll praise you. Many point to Psalm 22, 22 as just, this is the resurrection. After Jesus rose again, what does he do? He, he goes and he talks to his brothers. He talks to his disciples. He tells them. Um, he shows himself to them. There's a sense of praise now happening, obviously. The point is, Psalm 22, like, you know, you're reading it going, oh my goodness, this graphic, gruesome, piercing, this, this scene that's just, you know, mind-bending. And then he's alive, speaking of God's, name to his brothers and people say that's jesus obviously you know resurrected 
communicating, saying, hey, I'm here, I'm alive. Listen, today is Good Friday, and there's a lot of different things we could think about. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't yet put yourself in the story, even in the the timeline of it, please do so. Um, What happened last night? What happened this morning? Um, What happened when Jesus is in the tomb on Saturday and everyone feels like, did we lose? What just happened? And then just prepare your heart for Sunday. Prepare your heart for this idea of resurrection. I don't know if you guys have heard, but Ravi Zacharias is in the hospital right now for from cancer. And he, he actually wrote something up like two days ago. And I, I read his article and he ended with this. He says, may we be moved to wonder and worship this week as we contemplate the cross and celebrate our risen Lord. Our cities right now, they smell of death and we need the aroma of life. His name is Jesus Christ. Our cities smell of death and we need the aroma of life. His name is Jesus. Ravi, who's in a place where, you know, if you would just think about it, just pray for him. He's in a place where he's battling cancer and he's going, man, um, we need the aroma of, of Jesus right now in our world now more than ever. And so let us be the aroma to the world. Um, guys, tell someone today, tomorrow about Jesus, your hope. Um, invite them to listen to church. I, this is still so bizarre for all of us, but please, would you whether text a friend a link, your neighbor the link, invite them. We want them to hear the gospel, that it is not just this tragic story that ends with, and he died, but he is risen and Sunday is coming. And I cannot wait to celebrate Easter with you. So a couple things. Uh, remember tonight, Good Friday, maybe you're listening to this and if that already happened, you can go back and listen, but um, we're just going to do a Facebook live and Instagram live. So you can check it out there uh, at our you know, Instagram or Facebook at the exchange church. Um, so we're going to do good Friday service tonight that way. And then Sunday we're going to live stream YouTube, Facebook, you know, all the ways on our website. So if you would invite people, share people, share this with people, listen, just today, remember the cross, celebrate the cross. It's a, it's weird to call it good Friday, but it is ultimately turned into be good. Um, and so we just want to remember Jesus. Love you guys. Miss everyone so much. Again, talk to you soon. See you soon. Cannot wait till we can actually hug again. God bless you guys. Have a great day.